Welcome to Rebuilding. This podcast is designed to help the church rebuild its walls one person at a time. For more information, check us out at www.piercepoint.org. If you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and turn with me to Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13. We're going to spend our time in verses 1 through 7 today. And I want to give a tiny disclaimer to the message this morning in that uh, there are definitely clear biblical declarations that will be made, but there are many things that we need to consider as we hear God's word. I I find it amazing that the God uh, of the universe, who really doesn't need to hear our back talk, <laughs> um, entertains our questions. He entertains our, our seeking understanding. Uh, there's something that I say to my girls all the time, and I believe that this is, <clears throat> I believe it's the heart of God. I, I have no chapter or verse that would, that would uh, prove it particularly, but uh, I believe it's the heart of God, and I tell the girls all the time, there is a great difference between you asking me a question and you questioning me. There is a big difference between these two things. Uh, all of you know that. You guys don't like it when anybody in your life comes in questioning you, but, but it's receptive if somebody has to ask you a question. And, uh, and so there are going to be things that we have to consider in, uh, in the, the message today. There are going to be things that we have to consider about this uh, sometimes taboo word in our culture called submission. And uh, what I guess I would say to you is that, uh, that you would uh, patiently hear me out, hear what the Word of God says, and then uh, begin to ask questions of God, begin to uh, contend with God, and begin to uh, seek understanding for what He says. Here's what I can tell you. Anything that God has commanded, anything that God has declared, uh, any. Uh, any system to which God has told us to submit, it's good that he has called us to it. It's good. Why do I know that? Because God is good. He, he's, he's not like making our life unnecessarily difficult just because he's experimenting on humanity or something, right? He, he, he really does love us. He really does care for us. He wants the best for us. And so his ways are the best. His ways are highest. His ways are right. And, and sometimes we forget that, and we, we begin to question God. And God says, I'm good with you asking me a question, but you might want to check your place before you go questioning me. So Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 7. These are the words of God. Every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And those which exist are established by God. Therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God, and they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. For rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For it is a minister of God to you for good. But if you do what is evil, be afraid, 
For it does not bear the sword for nothing. For it is a minister of God, an avenger, who brings wrath on the one who practices evil. Therefore, it is necessary to be in subjection, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience' sake. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For rulers are servants of God, devoting themselves to this very thing. Render to all what is due them, tax to whom tax is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, and honor to whom honor. Over the past couple of weeks, two weeks before Easter and last week, we've spent our time looking at what it means to uh, live a life of love void of hypocrisy. And all of a sudden in chapter 12, chapter, chapter 12 begins with, in view of mercy, present your bodies as living sacrifice. And all of a sudden in the beginning of chapter 13, we make this seemingly strange turn towards, let's talk about politics. Let's talk about governing authorities. Uh, but what you will understand, if you'll continue to read through Romans chapter 13, what you'll begin to understand is that all of this is still under the covering of being a people who live by love. I know this is going to sound really strange, but for you and I to be a people obedient to authority, proper, godly, established authority, is actually for us to walk in love. Now, that doesn't make much sense to us because we say, no, God didn't know anything about our government, or Paul didn't know anything about our government. Oh, I assure you, God knows everything about everything. Uh, Paul may not have known that, but the spirit who inspired these words has much to say to our 21st century culture, just as he did to a first century Roman culture. So I want you to understand that everything that we're going to learn about submission to governing authorities actually has to do with love. It has to do with living a life of love void of hypocrisy. So we'll get to that in a couple of weeks and we'll see how that unfolds. But this morning, what I want to talk to you about are three uh, words in particular. Uh, those words are as follows. You can write them down if you're a note taker. That is the word subjection found in verse 1. Part A of verse 1, subjection. The second one is the word established, which is found in verse 1, part B of that, that verse. And I'll, I'll recap those in just a second. And then the third word that I want you to write down is the word resist. So we've got subjection, established, and resist. And here's what you need to know about all three of those words. All three of those words have the same Greek root. The Greek root of all three of those words, one of the words is just the root word, uh, is the Greek word tasso. That's how it's pronounced, tasso. Okay? And that is actually the term established. So let's look at what is said so that we can understand in context what this word tasso means. Every person, verse 1, every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities. Okay? For there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are tasso, established by God. The word tasso means established, but according to that context, what is established here? Tell me what's established here. Audience participation. 
What? Authority, exactly. So it's really important for us to understand that the word tasso in its context means that which is established. It can also mean that which is ordained, that which is ordered, that which is stationed or appointed. But we're, we're always referring to authority in this context. So the word tasso means an authority and it means an established or ordained authority. But here's the real important question for us to walk forward in. Who was it established by? God. Please don't forget that. Please don't forget that. You're going to have to come back to that more and more as we talk through uh, our responsibility and our uh, reactions to government and to general authority uh, as per God's word. So every person is to be uh, in subjection to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established, ordained, or set in place by God. Now the second word that I told you about, or the first word I told you about was subjection. That's found in the first part of the verse. Here's what changes about that word. The root word is tasso, but the prefix changes. And in this one, the prefix is hupo. So it becomes the word hupotasso. That's how you can spell it out, H-Y-P-A, if you want to do the transliteration. So here's what it says. It says, every person is to be in hupotasso. Say that with me. I love hearing you guys say this word. Hupatasso, right. You guys remember when we went through Titus, we talked about the fact that it talks about wives living in subjection to their husbands. Now, there's a lot to that that needs to be fully understood, but it's an amazing word, and I had you guys saying hupatasso all the time. I had people walking out of church going, hupatasso, it was fun. Okay, so, so the word is hupatasso, and it means, it means under. That prefix means under. So what does tasso mean? It means established authority, and hupo means under. So what do we understand this to mean? Under established authority. Every person is to be in a a position of underment, right? You, You are under an established authority to the governing authorities, for there is no authority. This is an important line to underline. There is no authority except from God and those which exist are established by God. So I want you to see two classes that are, that are presented here. There is governing authorities and there is every other kind of authority God has set up. Please see it. This is not just talking about governments. This is talking about all authority that has been established is established by God. So what we're supposed to see is that authority is established by God. It is ordained by God. It is an authority ordained by God. And we have a responsibility to come under that authority. I'm going I'm to give you explanation uh, elsewhere in Scripture for why this is important. But look at verse 2. Here's the third word that I wanted you guys to know. Therefore, whoever, say this word with me, uh, antitasso, antitasso. Everybody knows what the prefix anti means, against, right? We're, we're pushing against something or over and against or opposite of. Therefore, whoever antitasso's authority has opposed the ordinance of God. You need to remember that. You have opposed the ordinance of God. And they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. Who is Paul writing to right now? Christians. 
What? I didn't think there was going to be any condemnation. This isn't ultimate condemnation. This isn't final judgment. This isn't God just changes his mind on your salvation and says, you weren't a good citizen in America, so you get to go to hell. That's not what's being said here. But it is that you will have a judgment. You will face some kind of judgment. Uh, In the book of Jeremiah, we were talking about this as a father's group this, uh, this past Week And in Jeremiah chapter 10, I love this statement. Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 24. You should write this down uh, for your personal study. Uh, Jeremiah is recorded as saying this to God. He says, correct me, O Lord, but with justice, not with your anger, or you, uh, or you will bring me to nothing. The anger of God is consuming. It will crush you. Uh, Jeremiah doesn't say, God, correct me with happy, lovey-dovey words. He says, God, correct me in your justice. Just please don't do it in your anger. In that, in that chapter, in Jeremiah chapter 10, God calls the people of Israel a particular name, and he calls them this name three times. You want to know what the name is? Stupid. <laughs> It's so awesome. God calls his people stupid three times in one chapter. And Jeremiah responds and says, please, God, correct me. He wants correction. Please correct me in justice and don't correct me in anger. If you don't think God will smack you upside the head and call you stupid, you haven't read the Bible well enough. He will call you that. He will correct you in that way. So in this situation, what I want you to understand is the instrument through which God may correct you. And that is governing authorities or any authority that is established by God. The three words that you need to continue to remember are the word uh, subjection, hupotasso, the word established, tasso, and the word resist, antitasso. Here's why this is so important. Uh, If God has established an authority, for us to come under godly established authority is for us to honor God. For us to go over and against godly established authority is actually for us to be anti-him, anti-his grace, anti-his mercy, anti-his plan. Now, here's where I'm going to get really practical, and it's probably going to do a little bit of wounding. Hopefully, I can do a little bit of healing at the end. In the church today, what I see, what I perceive, is that we submit to authorities that we deem okay to submit to. But if we don't like submitting to a particular authority, we just erase it out of the Bible. We say, okay, God says uh, submit to governing authorities. We erase that out of the Bible sometimes. You know when we do it? When the government disagrees with us, or when another political party is in office instead of our favored one. Isn't that crazy? We go, that's it. God's off the throne. I don't know what's happening, but I'm starting a revolution. (laughs) That seems to be what happens. Isn't it true? Come on, you guys got to get with me this morning because this is one of those things. At, At Thanksgiving, you don't talk about politics and religion. In church, you probably should try not to talk about politics because people just, woo, they'll burn you at the stake. So on, on one side of it, we love the authority of God until we disagree with it, and then we erase it from the Bible. The same thing happens when it comes to leadership structures in the church. Just so you know, the Bible 
has no, uh, no association with a modern-day philosophy of flat leadership where nobody's in charge, there's no authority, and it doesn't really matter. It's not in the Bible. Are we supposed to be servants one to another? Can I get an amen? We're to be servants to one another. Are we supposed to, Ephesians 5.21, are we supposed to, hupatasso, submit one to another? Yes. Yes. Now what follows that is, here's how it looks for a husband, here's how it looks for a wife, here's how it looks for a servant, here's, here's, here's how it looks across the board. But we are supposed to submit one to another. This is true. Did Jesus say we don't lord it over uh, each other like the Gentiles do? Did he say that? Yes, he said that. Did Jesus also say that churches are led by elders? Yes, he did. Yes, we're supposed to submit to one another. Yes, we're supposed to serve one another. Yes, we need to uh, honor one another as more important than ourselves. We need to be outdoing each other with honor. But we have to also understand that the scripture tells us that there's leadership. There is authority. And he expects us to submit to it. Now, we're going to get here in a second to what happens when that leadership goes off the deep end. And we're going to answer the question, what if that leadership asks us to do something against the will of God? Those are two independent questions, just so you know. They're not the same question. So we have authority under governing uh, institutions. We have authority under a church. The Bible talks about a household being led by godly men. By godly men who have a responsibility. And you want to know what that responsibility is, church? Men, listen to me. Die for your wife. I got squirming going on around here. (laughs) Die for your wife. You know that it says in Ephesians that husbands are supposed to love their wives as they love their own body. You know what that proves? It proves something uh, antithetical to the culture today. And that is, the culture says you got to learn to love yourself before you can love others. The Bible says you already love yourself mighty fine. The Bible says all you ever freaking do is love yourself. What is your problem? So husbands, what are we supposed to do? Love our wives as we love our own bodies? Laying down our lives for who she is? Now, the painting of what leadership is in Scripture is a glorious picture. But it's authority nonetheless. But here's what we do as Christians. We say, I like that authority. I don't like that one. So never go to Ephesians 5. Never go to 1 Peter. Never, never go to Titus. Don't, don't even go to Timothy. It's just a problem. We just love to erase this stuff. We cannot, church. We cannot. Why? Why do I say we can't do that? I know that it's anti the culture. I get what this is doing. I know that somebody's probably looking at me like, I hate this guy right now. But here's, thanks, Nate. I will embarrass you and the rest of your family. No, I'm messing with you. (laughs) So good. You know how much I love just sitting here talking to you? It just makes me happy. This is good. So so here's, here's what I want you guys to understand. Authority is a really important thing. Opposing that authority is a really dangerous thing because verse 2 says, whoever antitasso's authority, whoever opposes authority, mind you, that's all authority God has established, doesn't matter across the board, has opposed the ordinance of God. 
And they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. Why, why is it that we reject authority? Do you know? There's one answer to this question. Because we're sinners. We're sinners. We're rebels against God. And therefore, we're rebels against what God says. Are we, are we growing in our sanctification? Is he, is he uh, building in us truth and righteousness and life and all of those things? Yes. Did we get it all the day we said yes to Jesus? Oh my goodness. Come hang around with me for a while. You'll see. I didn't get it all. And I'm a professional Christian. <laughs> this just didn't happen. The point is we're growing inside of this. So, so what I, I said at the beginning was there's some really important principles that you need to hear. Now, what that implies, you need to consider. You need to weigh it. You need to wrestle with it. I'm just going to speak to women just for a second. Women, there, there, is a, there is a... Yeah, let's just dig this hole deep. This will be good. <laughs> We like people, women in today's culture, I'm not speaking as, you know, as if I'm an expert on this at all. Women in today's culture say, okay, I can side with the idea that uh, I'm supposed to submit to governing authorities. Okay, I can agree that I, could sh I should submit to uh, church structure. But the problem we face inside of our culture today, and it is prolific in the church, is that we have more women today saying, I will not submit to that dirtbag of a husband of mine. I will not submit to who he is. The Bible does not tell me. The Bible does tell you that. The, the Bible doesn't say that every governing authority and every authority that's been established is always pleasant to deal with. It doesn't say that all authorities over you are actually going to get it right all the time. As a matter of fact, Paul even says, women, you should submit to your husband even if he is disobedient to the word so that you might win him over. This is a hard problem. And it's one of those things where what I see in the church today, you just consider what I'm about to say, okay? I believe the reason why the world doesn't take us, one of the reasons why the world doesn't take us seriously is because we pick and choose what parts of the Bible we want to follow. We like this, we like that, we hate this, we hate that. And so the Bible goes, you don't follow the guy you say you follow. You follow him until he makes you mad. You, you follow him until he looks at you cross-eyed or something. So again, I, you know, I knew that that was going to be one of those things like, Nathan, get back on politics right now. That's what I'm hearing uh, by the stares of every woman in this room. But I want you to understand something, that God has established all authorities. We're to hupotasso. We all have a part to play in that. That's why Ephesians 5.21 says, all y'all submit to all y'all. That's my version, but it's really important. So what I'm, what I'm getting at here is that we've got to learn that love is connected to submission. Submission is commanded by God. All authority that has been established was established by God. And to go against that is actually to go against him. It's to go against him. It's to go against this good, pleasing thing that he has established. Now, here's where I want to talk to men for a second. And any 
governor I have in the room, which is nobody, right? But anybody who's in leadership, anybody, any man that is in this room too, I, I want you to hear something. I want you to hear that your responsibility is to lead the way Jesus would have you lead. Why are you surprised when your wife is like, that guy is a jerk, when you're being a jerk? Why are you surprised at, at this kind of resistance in your life when you're not one worthy of following? See, I need you to understand something. Jesus laid down his life for the church, and the comparison in Ephesians 5 is that we do the same as men. Lay down your life. I jokingly say this all the time. Women are so frustrated with men because not only will we not lay down our life, we won't even lay down the remote control. We, we, have, we have nothing close to self-sacrificial love for our wives. And that's a depressing reality. You know how easy it is to follow Jesus when you see that he goes to a cross for you? You want to run after him. You know how easy it is to follow you men? if you will lay down your life and go to a cross for your wife? It's a different story. So it's something to consider. I want to challenge you with it because God's word is not, nothing in God's word is said just willy-nilly. It's not just thrown in there like, well, let's see how many people we can make mad about this. That's not what it's there for. It's there because it's good and it's true. So let me prove to you a couple of cases of governing authorities. That's an important thing. And then the extension of what submitting to that authority means. Turn with me to Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3. And I'll put my money where my mouth is and tell you that if you want to ask a question... Uh, of my wife about my leadership or about uh, my way of running my household, I would gladly have you ask her any question you want. I'm confident that, that my life is, is being lived in submission to the God of the Bible, the God of Scripture that has told me to lay down my life for my wife and for my girls. I can tell you this, I don't always get it right, but I would challenge you to ask my wife. Uh, she will not return and say, it's horrible. I, I'm, I have confidence in that. So this is what godly leadership is supposed to look like, and we're talking about governing authorities, and it should be the same. So I've got to get to those final two pieces. What do we do uh, when they oppress us? They're not doing what God says. And then what do we do when godly leadership asks us to do other than what God says? But first, let's look at this establishment. Uh, Titus chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. Here's what uh, Paul writes to the young pastor Titus. Remind them to be subject to rulers, to authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good deed. Now we could stop there and say, okay, he says be submissive. He says hupotasso. But look at why. He says, to malign no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing every consideration for all men. For we also once were foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. Do you know why we submit? Not only does God say so, but we submit to show that we're new. We're different. We're not the old foolish fuddy-duddies we used to be. 
Do you see that there? He says, for we also once were foolish ourselves. To be a person that is marked by antitasso instead of hupotasso is to revisit your foolishness. And that's dangerous. That's dangerous. The world is looking at us and they're looking at Christians and they're wanting some hope. This is quite frankly what I believe the world needs. They need hope and they're looking for hope. And if they look to a church that doesn't actually follow the God who who saved them, they don't see any hope. They just see another world religion that's just a bunch of junk. You see it? So Titus chapter 3 verses 1 through 3. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. What a powerful passage here. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 through 17. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake. For whose sake, church? The Lord's sake. To every human institution. Mark that down. Every human institution? I'm not sure I'd like the BMV that much. To every human institution, whether to a king as to one in authority or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. What should government, what should authority do for those who do right? Praise them. Praise them. What should they do to those who do evil? Punish of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. Verse 15, for such is the will of God. For such is what? The will of God. This is the will of God for governing authorities to do this, for authority to do this, and for us to be recipients of praise or judgment if we're doing wrong. For such is the will of God that by doing right, you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. Do you realize what 15 is, who 15 is talking to? Us who are living in hupotasso, us who live in submission, what are we supposed to live in this way for? Because by doing right, we will silence the ignorance of foolish men. Verse 16, act as free men and do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but use it as bond slaves of God. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God and honor the king. Now, just in case you're thinking, well, uh, Paul doesn't know anything about 21st century culture. Um, you're right. He never had it so good. He never had it so good. This epistle is written, or Peter's epistle is written, and Paul's epistles are written somewhere around the time of the governance of the leadership of a man by the name of Nero. Do you know what Nero did to the Christians? He burnt them at the stake. He put them on poles in his garden as he had a garden party and used them as human torches. Now, I need you to process that context and then hear Peter say, submit to every human institution. And then I want you to give me a reason why you don't want to. Isn't that unbelievable? Isn't that unbelievable? Another great story in first century culture is the story of a, of a saint by the name of Polycarp. How many of you know that name, Polycarp? He was an apostle of John. 
And he was a, he was a profoundly uh, important man in the first uh, century church, in the, in the building of the first church. And so Polycarp was, was amazing in the story that he lived. And here's, here's what Polycarp did. And so what I'm going to do by illustrating this is get to the question of what should we do when authority asks us to violate God's commands. And I'll, I'll show you my case here. Polycarp lives around 160 AD. And there came a, an edict down uh, in, uh, in the culture of the time, in the Roman culture of the time, uh, that everyone must swear by the genius of Caesar. Interpretation. You must declare Caesar as Lord. This is what you're supposed to do. Okay, now, what's the problem morally for us Christians? There is no God but one. <laughs> there is no Lord but Jesus, okay? And so an edict came down, and, and so it enjoined these people to swear by the genius of Caesar, declare him as Lord. Uh, when this edict came down, they brought Polycarp in. This is all recorded in the martyrdom of Polycarp. You can see it in books 9 through 11. But uh, in, in Polycarp, uh, they enjoined him to do this. They called him to do this. And when they brought him on trial, here's what he responded with. His first response, he says, for 86 years, just... Think about this for a second. This is an 86-year-old man standing up against the Roman authorities. <laughs> I hope I have this much, yeah, in me by the time I'm 86. I have a feeling I won't be able to stand up. But anyway, so for 86 years, Polycarp says, I have served the Lord and he has never done me wrong. How can I blaspheme my king who saved? You guys have those words in your heart when standing against authority? I hope so, because that's what, that's what we should do. So that was met with resistance. So they, persist, they persisted, the, the, uh, the proconsul persisted and said, you must swear by the name of Caesar. Here's what Polycarp responded with. If you imagine that I will swear by the genius of Caesar, as you put it, pretending not to know who I am, I would tell you plainly, I am a Christian. And if you wish to learn Christian doctrine, choose a day and I will teach you. <laughs> I like that guy too, right? There's just enough. Let's pick, poke him with a stick, right? So then the Prox Council just gets really mad at him and says, I have wild beasts and I will throw you to them if you do not recant. You know what Polycarp responds with at 86 years old? Send for them. Send for them, wild beasts. We cannot recant if it means a change from better to worse. To confess Caesar is Lord would be to go from better, Jesus is Lord, to worse. But it is a splendid thing to change from cruelty to justice. Can you imagine saying that to somebody who is, so somebody who is calling you out? Then he's threatened a last time with fire this time. It says, if you do not profess the genius of Caesar, we will burn you. Polycarp responds this way. The fire you threaten burns for only a time and is soon extinguished. But there is a fire that you know nothing about. The fire of the judgment to come, of eternal punishment. A fire reserved for the ungodly. But why do you hesitate? Do as you will. I hope to be that man. I hope that you hope to be that person, to be able to stand in this defiance. Here's, here's what I'm trying to illustrate here. We are called to hupatasa. We're called to submit, come under established authority. 
The first thing that happens is that authority sometimes doesn't reward that which is good or punish that which is evil. How many of you know that's true? Sometimes authority doesn't. Guess what? Guess what your course of action is anyway? Hupatasso. The scripture does not say because they don't get their job right, you're void of doing your job. Please hear me. The scripture does not say, well, sorry, the governing officials aren't your political persuasion and they're doing things that they shouldn't do. Therefore, you don't have to be good anymore. Tell, tell them what for. Don't submit to anybody. It doesn't happen. We are to hupatasso no matter what. What do we do when they ask us to violate the command of God? That's where we appeal to Acts chapter 5 and what the apostles said to the, to the leadership uh, that told them to stop preaching the name of Jesus. They said, we should obey God rather than men. We should obey God rather than men. Obeying God rather than men, does that lead to revolution? Does that re- lead to burning down the, 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 the government houses and all those things? I hope not. That's not what we're called to do. What we're called to is to submit, first and foremost to God, then to everything as he has established it underneath. And we do so because it's actually a joyful existence. It's actually the greatest thing we could do. Now, as I said at the beginning, everything that I'm presenting to you today, you can see it in the scripture. But what I want you to do this week is I just want you to consider it. I want you to wrestle with it. I want you to fight with these things because you may have good reasons why you say, I don't know, Nathan. Submission in this way seems old, antiquated, dated. Submission in this way seems wrong in the 21st century. And then what I want you to do is I want you to email me. I want you to call me. I want to have a conversation about this because I'm telling you, this is an important thing because what we're going to see in a couple of weeks is it actually is a marker of love when we actually submit the way God has called us to. So, very encouraging message today, I know. But what I want you to keep in your mind is one really important word, hupatasso. Come under what God has called us to do. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to Rebuilding from Pierce Point Community Church. We hope that today's podcast will help you become a more connected part of Christ's body. Remember to check out our website at piercepoint.org for more information.